warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. Pieces, absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Pieces and Pieces 11, a minute-by-minute-ish podcast covering J.P. Simon's early 1980 slasher Pieces. Oh yeah, so we are we wrapped up 37 minutes into the English language version. The uh, the Spanish version is, is about a minute ahead or so. Uh, 37 minutes in, uh, Mary Riggs was playing tennis with a gal who we will see later on in a most unfortunate scene. Uh, and th- this minute is covering minutes 38 through 41. So we're covering four minutes of stuff. And um, let me play a little something. I'll come right back and tell you what these uh, minutes are covering. Listen to this. This Riggs, I must say, that was quite an impressive uh, performance. Why, thank you. After you've changed, there'll be tea in the faculty room. If you'd like to join us. I sure would. That young lady gave me quite a workout. Oh, come now, Miss Riggs. There's no need to be modest. I have the feeling that, under your tuition, our tennis players will all become champions. Do any of your staff know about me or what I'm supposed to be doing here? Not unless your lieutenant has told them. Oh, well, that's very good, then. I'd like to have some time with you whenever that's possible. Oh, yes, of course, my dear. But uh, weren't there supposed to be two of you here on my campus? Well, I'm afraid there's only me. This kind of job is strictly volunteer. You're very brave. Miss Riggs, I only hope that this whole wretched business will be resolved with a minimum of fuss. You know, it's very important. What's, um, what's happened to Willard? Well, we have to release Willard. We haven't got enough evidence yet. Excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but could I talk to you for a moment? Unfortunately, I'm far too busy to talk to anyone at the moment. Call my second. It has to do with what's been happening recently. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing's been happening, I assure you. And nothing out of the ordinary. And if you don't mind, we're very busy. This episode's a bit of a transition one. I keep saying I'm going to do a shorter episode. This one could be that shorter episode. I'm recording this on the morning of June 20th, 2020. It's about 11.35 a.m. I've got a live tweet with Amanda Reyes. I'm 25 minutes uh, talking about I Desire, the David Naughton-related vampire movie from 1982, which I've never seen, so I'm going to try to wrap this up in 20 minutes or less. Let's see if we do it. I should be able to. Now, I originally... Okay, uh, let's back up. These minutes cover the end of the tennis match. The first 30 seconds of minute 38 is the tennis match, and they end with about 20 seconds of the gal we saw earlier. I don't think she got a name yet. The dancing gal, uh, the one who oh you scared the crap out of me or whatever it is she says. Um, uh, I gotta go take a leak or or uh, whatever it is. She, she doesn't say <laughs> she gotta go take a leak. Whatever it is she says, I gotta go. The, I gotta go the can. She gets to the can to the John, um, uh, the one from the previous minute who got followed by the killer. Um, she is. It's it's late at night. She's yeah. Apparently that um, that room is not in some sort of basement study room. It's in like a third floor room and there's a window. I didn't see the window when she was dancing around, but apparently there's a window there somewhere. And I imagine across... No, there was no window there. Where the heck's the window? Wouldn't the window be across from where the door is? 
because there's a mirror along one wall and surely the room isn't designed so that if you walk in the door that that doesn't make any sense that the that the the wall would the 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 outside wall would be directed to your right no not in a room like that you you'd step in and the wall opposite you would be the wall that's the outside wall with the window looking outside and so but there was no wall there last time so maybe it's not that room. They, there's an exterior shot looking up. Looks like maybe uh, I'd say the probably, my guess is probably like a third story uh, window and one story at least above it. So uh, so it's not the top like I, I postulated earlier. But uh, but it sure doesn't have a window there. But it, yeah, it ends with her dancing around. The last uh, moment of minute 41 is the killer looking in through the little window. You see her dancing around the window and um, I love blondes, which I talked about previously when I thought it was um, uh, Cocktail Molotov, the Fritzy track, um, uh, is playing. I, I And there's more on the Spanish one. It's more the sort of jazzy kind of music, uh, which seems to make more sense. Uh, but we already did this conversation. But it is I Love Blondes that's playing right there as opposed to the uh, Cocktail Molotov. Um, and I talked all about I Love Blondes a couple episodes ago when I goofed up what song was what. But Cocktail Molotov, yes, it's a it's a Fritzy track, and I think I think I mentioned that too. And uh, Cocktail Cocktail Molotov is from his 1979 film uh, uh, Sete Siete Ragazze di Classe, uh, uh, it's, which is what um, I don't know. Uh, it's seven. It's like seven dangerous women seven dangerous girls something like that um it's italian spanish it's an erotic film i just have here that um it was released in september 30 on september 30 79 director pedro lazaga and seven female friends decide to play an erotic game and presumably things go screwball and i you can see it probably in italian online um, and it's it could be a lot of fun if it's got a fritzy soundtrack. It's certainly worth hearing. So that that's where this is from. We already know where I Love Lawns comes from. So I will leave that alone. The other music that plays in this, apart from the da 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 da, which we will hear later, which plays the moment Mary wins, and you you get the establishing fact of these um these two speakers that are that are playing them across the campus, and it's similar music that's playing in the Spanish one. Although in the Spanish one, it's it seems it seems less like we're America and we just played some tennis da 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 da, da. we're not really Spain da da kind of thing um, but in the Spanish version it, it's 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 I don't know, it seems sort of less jingoistic patriotic to me and just sort of generic sort of da da da, da marching band music the only other um, uh, music that plays is during the sequence set in the killer's sort of apartment or sitting room whatever uh which involves a puzzle some more death watch plays a death watch from um uh numbra numbra um yeah you you know that you know the film i've said it many times um the uh i think it's death watch alternate one if you go to the soundtrack i was listening to the two of them and i, I think it's death watch alternate one um it doesn't matter in the end. I don't know, but it's fun either way. So that's where the this where this ends, and I pretty much told you the end of it. Uh, the gal is dancing around in there. So so let's let's go back to the beginning. The tennis match is won. Um, I was gonna I was gonna sit and try to do. Um, if you've ever seen Warrior of the Lost World, uh, which is a super fun post apocalyptic film, uh, Italian I believe from the mid '80s, directed by David Worth. 
they covered that film on MST in a very a funny episode. I think it was the first one of season five, the last season with Joel, first one with Mike. And there's a sequence where the camera pans over like 30 people sitting in a crowd. And Tom says, hey, it's this person and that person. And like does look-alike naming. Hey, it's Jodie Foster. Hey, it's this person. Hey, it's Will Chamberlain. I, I don't know who it was. You know, and just does that. And it's very funny. And I was going to do the same thing for a shot of the crowd looking back and forth. Because there's, um, well, hey, it's Edmund Purdom, I know. Uh, it's, oh, look, it's Leif Garrett stand-in. Oh, look, it's it's faux Einstein. Oh, look, it's Margaret Thatcher. Oh, look, Oswald Cobblepot taking the day off from crime, stuff like that. Um, it's 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 the two outsiders who got rejected from the outsiders, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm not going to. I, and, and the one lady who, when everyone else is looking to the left, looking to the right, and I'm not talking about Sylvia Costa, the reporter who shows up, looks around, sees Mary, knows who she is, and kind of like goes towards her. Um, I'm talking about there's one lady with sort of like reddish hair and like a, uh, a like a I don't I don't know burgundy a red a red uh, kind of uh, suit thing skirt thing on with like a white bow around her neck where when everyone else is looking left and right she's just staring straight ahead like she's looking at like oh my god tennis again oh my god and poor the poor lady looks like margaret thatcher is having some creepy professor like every time he looks to the right but then when he looks to the left he's like mm, your shoulder smells delish which is great so i was going to name everyone but i decided no dan don't be el ducho just just talk about what's going on and i'm running out of time i've got about 10 minutes left to finish this this minute and so um so it ends and very european uh, mary mary wins and mary and the student uh do a little smooch on one side smooch on the other very european and it ends and everybody leaves and you see kendall and at first kendall has a look on his face like yay mary won because he goes to see all her matches but then his second look is he he looks around more like hmm what's happening here and then da 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 her and the dean mary and the dean have a chat it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty straightforward chat and it's pretty similar in both the spanish and the english versions in in both of them, the dean seems to be a big old perv walking up to Mary and just like, yes, Miss Riggs, that was a very impressive uh, performance. Um, and then in Spanish, he says like, magnifique, magnifique. I could have made that up. I think he's saying great, great. But he kind of like looks at her face and then he kind of like looks down and goes, yeah, I see why Christopher George likes you. I'm sorry, that was horrible. Um, but but he, he pervs it at her and, and she's kind of like well thank you very much I guess that was you know if you were a female tennis player in a short skirt in 1981, 82, 83 whatever country you're in you had to put up with gross pervs like him I'm a leg man so I would have probably looked to I'm sorry everyone I accept uh, that and I carry on so and, and they just have a brief talk and the talk they have is is that's the thing is that the majority of this minute the majority of these four minutes is either um sort of reiterating stuff like um you know verifying there, there's a weird moment where you know it's oh i thought there were going to be two of you no this one's strictly volunteer you're very brave uh which is odd because it's like well why mention that you know i don't even know why they need to bring that up um and then there was mention of willard and they uh, in the um in the English, it's we don't have enough evidence to hold them yet, and we don't have in Spanish, it's we don't have any evidence yet, and uh, yeah, they talk for a bit, and the uh, the Spanish dean is far more concerned in um, being discreet. I hope you can do this discreetly and quietly, you know that sort of thing. Um, the uh, Eng English speaking dean is is far less of that, and um, 
And, and, and you know, it's there's there's really not much going on here. It's just like you know, verifying that she's there. She's there by herself. She's going to do what she can. She's very brave. The lieutenant has only told the dean, and unfortunately, Sylvia Costa from the Boston Globe Madrid division shows up, and she obviously knows who Mary is, although they don't say anything in the scene. She doesn't say like, "Oh, you." I guess because she possibly doesn't know whether or not the dean knows, and so she's trying not to blow her cover, which is nice. Because you, you you could sort of vaguely... I mean, obviously, Sylvia knows who Mary is because she spots her on the tennis court. And Mary's playing a little more coy, but obviously knows who Sylvia is. But they don't say anything, and, and they sort of have the same conversation. It's, it's weird. So there are two conversations in a row with Sylvia Costa showing up, talking to a guy in some position of power, and Mary is right there. And there's a moment where her and Mary look at each other, and they don't say a word. They don't say a word. Both of them are just the guy going, I don't know what you're talking about. At the campus? I don't know. What is going on there? You tell me. I don't know. Mm, what about all the happenings going on? Or all the, um, all the, uh, all the, all the uh, strange occurrences? You know, kind of goes in the same circle that the conversation with the lieutenant went in and then the two of them leave and she hasn't gotten any, any uh, deeper into her investigation. So at this point, she is going to have to go undercover well she no she doesn't go undercover she's gonna go investigate more investigative maybe she'd go undercover i guess maybe as a professor or something like that i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens with her next but the remainder of the minute and i've only i've got less than five minutes here folks the remainder of the minute is or the remainder of the the minutes are a very long stretch where the uh, uh the death watch alternate one plays as the camera pans over uh, the uh, and we've seen the before the the sack with the body parts and it got dragged through this room. It's a very nice room. I love this and it's a nice little sort of sitting room with the nice couches and and um, chairs and the and the 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 dresser with the puzzle in it and the music plays and the camera pans along and I love it because especially after being like out in the tennis court and out on the campus it it so looks like a set. I mean, it completely looks like a set. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the end we learned that the killer lives on a set somewhere. Like maybe there's this, like they have like a little communications film department here and maybe he lives on the set. I don't know. But I like that concept now that I said that. Why does it look like a set? Because it is a set. It's an actual set. It's a set that's pretending to be a set. I want to make that movie. But I, lo I love that room. And the great thing is the camera pans... Previously, the camera was along the ground, panning as the sack was dragged along. This time, the camera's up, up at um, uh, not, not at not at um, eye level, but sort of um, just above couch level, and just so you see everything very clearly. You see like flowers on the on the on the dresser and flowers on the coffee table, and you see everything clearly to the point where you're like, if I'm paying attention and I can remember, if we go into this room like properly, I'll know who the killer is, who whatever this room is. And then we get the scene where the killer pulls out the puzzle and it's the arms. So he's taking the arms from the dancing gal and I got to wrap this up. We're taking the arms from the dancing gal and it's, it's interesting because, and I know I've said this before um, at the beginning when he was putting bits of the puzzle together because they have him keep the gloves on when he's putting the puzzle together. And at times it's more than one piece. There are several pieces already put together that he has to kind of jam in there. And he puts both the arms together and so my first thought was, well, he's having a tough enough time with those gloves on putting the the pieces for the first arm together. Why not just leave it? You know, like, oh, the arms. 
you know, you don't need to do both. But then I thought, if this is a Frankensteinian, Frankensteinian, Steinian creature, then yeah, I guess we do need to do both arms. Because one arm could, it could be a brain of Morbius type thing. Kondo! Um, you know, with uh, one arm from um, human and one arm is, you know, a mutt, um, you know, kind of thing. So, so you have to have both arms to imply that the next gal we see, he will be taking her arms. I thought he would be taking her legs, but he's taking her arms. I'm not, I'm not an, I, I guess I like arms. I'm a big fan of arms. I, 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 you know, but I'm not an arms guy. I'm a legs guy, as I, as I mentioned earlier. But, um, but the arms, uh, but he's taking her arms and he's chosen her arms, apparently. So that, I can assure you that will most likely be the next minute will be up until her demise. Is that a spoiler? Um, he gets the arms. Sorry, folks. So, uh, yeah, and, and unfortunately, he, he really struggles with putting those puzzle pieces in, especially when he gets to the second arm. He's got like three pieces in a row that he's trying to jam in there, and they're not going in there right. Again, it reminds me of To All a Good Night, when the um, when the uh, um, the the killer is xing out stuff with a sharpie. Uh, but it's clear that the Sharpies... I said this before. It's clear that the Sharpies been open too long and it's dried out. So when the killer, like, with the gloves on, sets the photo down and grabs the Sharpie and starts Xing it, it's clear that it's dried out and it's not doing that well. So it's like, X, X, oh, damn it, X, 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 X. It's very amusing. And they probably should have done a second take. But why? And that take we're watching here in pieces is probably the 18th take. I bet that's J.P. Simon's hands in those big, huge rubber gloves. I don't know. Or, or leather gloves. Maybe they are rubber gloves. I don't know. I, I have to look again. Oh, and the lady I'm talking about with the red hair who just stares straight ahead during when when the when the dean and Mary are talking. There's a point where her and Faux Oswald Cobblepot walk by in the background, and you can see her quite clearly. So that's that lady, the one who's walking with the penguin um, on his day off. So. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Is this going to be the shortest minute? I don't know. It all depends upon how long of clips I play or anything. Again, I'd love to play you all the minutes, but it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, this this episode is covering four minutes. So do you really want to hear a little, to hear the trailer, hear me talk for a minute, and then hear four minutes of stuff, most of which is this library music that we've heard before that isn't going to make any sense to you? I, I just think, ugh, I'd, I'd love to do it, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, if I talked about Within the it's episodes, if I talked about the episodes, if I went a minute at a time, that would make sense. But you heard this. I started at the beginning. I went to the end. I finished the end. I went to the middle. I, so that was episode 11 of Pieces and Pieces. The next minute um, will be the killer claiming his arms or someone else's arms for him, for his th thingy that he's doing, for his puzzle lady, for his... Uh, I just hope Mary's going to be okay, and I hope Kendall can keep an eye on her or whatever the heck Kendall is doing. So thank you, everyone, for listening. I got it right on time. It's 11.55, um, and I'm going to uh, sign off with you guys. You're the best, and then uh, do a live tweet. So you guys are awesome. Pieces and Pieces, Episode 11. See you next time for Episode 12. Be safe, be well, be good to yourselves. Talk to you soon. <laughs>